You're very welcome to the Firm and Fast Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Derby. Today, we welcome back Jasper Miners from Evaluate Teen. As our second ever returning guest, his last appearance was on episode 8 back in March 2022. Since then, we've got to know each other pretty well. So this chat is a little more informal than usual. Two mates having a chat. We hope you enjoy eavesdropping. Unfortunately, some of the audio is a little spotty, thanks to some gremlins in the works. I must apologise in advance, and hopefully it does not detract from your enjoyment too much. Finally, before we get going, I have a wee favour to ask. Actual posted reviews are a key component for the growth of any podcast, and Firm and Fast is no different. If you like what you hear, I would really appreciate if you would consider taking the time to write a review post it through your preferred podcast service such as iTunes or Spotify. Many thanks for continuing to listen. Once this is edited, I'm officially off on my holidays. As a wise man once said en route to the Melbourne Sandbelt, you can't beat a golf holiday. Go easy. Freestyle than he did the last time, so please forgive me. I'm, yeah, it's all right. I'm on holidays. I always feel like we should be recording all the conversations I have with you because it usually is a very enjoyable geek out. And there, there's definitely, I know Stephen Proctor's listening, and I may even actually not bother uh, telling you we're starting. We could just start. Um, yeah, let's yeah, do it. So let's freestyle it. What are you drinking? Uh, this is Karoon. Is that alcoholic or non alcoholic? Uh, yeah, alcoholic. It's Friday and it's just afternoon. Yeah. So <laughs> we're in the clear. I'm on, ho- I'm on yeah. holiday. So, um, so it's all good. Okay. Um, well, I was just thinking, you know, it's it's the things I think about. It's, it's a bit odd, you know. I mean, the, the late uh, Queen Elizabeth described 1992 as her Annus Horribilis. I think really your last 12 months or slightly longer has been an Annus Mirabilis. So this is really, um, I guess, uh, in in honor of that Annus Mirabilis. Um, like it's, we last spoke, obviously recorded um, in on episode eight, um, which was in March, 2022. It's hard to believe this is episode 24. Yeah, and there's uh, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but there's definitely a lot of wonder what water under that bridge. Yeah. So no, it's been a, it's been a good yeah. run. It has yeah. been a good run. So I think, as I said, it's a bit more freestyle than usual. We we are we kind of know the direction we're going in, and no doubt we'll fall down many a many a hole on the way. But in obviously, I can't ask the last two questions to you because I've already done that. So I in 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 respect of that, I think it's probably useful to do a bit of a news round. But, you know, I'm forgoing a presentation at Royal Dublin for uh, a young man I know very well, a guy called Max Kennedy, who uh, has just won the North of Ireland Stroke Play Championship at Planley Boy earlier this week. He had a six-hole playoff, would you believe, to uh, to beat, uh, beat his opponent, who was uh, a dude called, uh, if I just look here, um, uh, Cleans Jamie Butler. Um, they were going hard at it for probably the bones of an hour plus uh, Max also won his first uh, collegiate event in the States. He's on a scholarship to Louisville. Um, he won the Aggie International back and also had five or six 
top tens in 23. So he's uh, he's looking to knock hard on that uh, Walker Cup door. Uh, uh, so best of luck to him. Um, I first came across Max, um, sort of friendly with his folks and his, and his, and his family. I remember years ago, it's probably eight years ago, Max was quite a small, uh, small kid, but pitched and put it like a demon. He still pitches and put, puts like a demon. But I remember we have a Mon- Moncrief Cup, which is a, a, an annual event, 36 solar. Uh, he stepped up on the seventh, which is a 220 yard par three, as you know, uh, off the back sticks. And he goes, just going to hit a little driver. And he hits it into two feet. Uh, so that's the sort of kid you're dealing with. Um, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's blossomed since then. Um, and, and best luck to him. So he's, he's getting his just rewards at half five this evening. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to miss it. But um, I guess we'll get to St. George's Hill in that exciting uh, uh, announcement that you had with uh, Brian and Clyde and Angela and Chris in due course. But mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, just mention that I had a, an opportunity to uh, see the new Port Marnock links there uh, twice over the past six, six weeks. The director of golf, uh, Paul McKenney, brought me out um, to have a look around six weeks ago. I know the site pretty well because I was a member for a while. I literally didn't know where I was. They've done, they've done that much remodeling. Um, it's different. Um, there is a podcast coming up. Uh, Paul has agreed to do one with... Uh, Jeff Lynch, the uh, designer, and Fenton Brennan, who's the longtime superintendent. So keep an eye out for that. In terms of new content, uh, obviously Porter Links. Uh, next up will be Richard Pennell, who's got some exciting announcements himself. Uh, you were the first of the returning guests. Mike Clayton has agreed to come on again. So that's great. And apropos my holiday, I'm off to the Netherlands on Sunday. So there's a me podcast on the Netherlands trip as well. So, Jasper, tell us a bit about your recent announcement. Yeah, so we're quite excited uh, to be working with a, a golf club of, of note, uh, especially in architectural circles, and that's the St. George's Hill Golf Club uh, in Weybridge, Surrey. So the London neighbourhood, uh, the Surrey Sandbelt. Uh, so that is a collaboration with Renaissance Golf Design. And Brian Schneider is the lead uh, consulting golf course architect. Uh, along with that, we've got Angela Mosier, who is uh, currently working in Pinehurst on Pinehurst 10 with uh, uh, Tom Doak. Uh, then we've also got um, Clyde Johnson, so Cunning Golf Design. Uh, he's currently working on Castle Stewart 2, uh, the Cabot property uh, up north in Scotland. Uh, with Chris Haspel, who is also our consulting agronomist. So uh, together, there's Brian, Angela, Clyde, Chris, and myself, uh, all bringing our various uh, you know backgrounds to this team, and then linked up to kind of put a, a team together to work with St. George's Hill. So that's, uh, that's the big, big news. And uh, we're really excited about the prospect for uh, being able to, to work with the club I know it's early days and you probably can't say very much for obvious reasons, but is there anything you can tell us? So the, the golf club knows that it's got a, a very special golf course. Uh, they also understand the importance of, of Harry Colt's um, contribution to, to golf, uh, to golf course architecture. And, and really St. George's Hill was, you know, that great golf ar- architect uh, 
uh, at the height of his powers. So they they understand uh, what they what they have, and they uh, basically feel as though it's a, an obligation. You know, in the press release, uh, the sentiment was that they they know that they're in possession of or custodians of, probably better put, um, a a masterpiece. And we feel the same way. And so at the moment, we're doing our due diligence. Uh, effectively, at the moment, we are learning as much as we possibly can, uh, not only about the golf course, but the estate, the history, um, the, the entire site itself, so that whenever we move forward, uh, whether that, that's planning and beyond, uh, that we've, we make sure that we've taken everything into account. Um. As 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 I was joking with you last week, uh, you were posting on Twitter in that you were up ladders and looking in dustbins and under water tanks and whatnot. Um, how exhaustive has the search been on the property in terms of trying to find uh, additional resources? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so when it comes to historical research. Um, kind of our, our starting point is the digitized online databases. Uh, beyond that, uh, we would look at the uh, various collections, whether institutional or personal, uh, that are held with, you know, golfing publications in hard copy. Uh, so literally going to various archives uh, that we found in and around London, uh, private homes, um, manor houses, that type of thing, that, that have these bound volumes. Uh, to find anything that we can. Uh, most of the time you find nothing, but it's still part and parcel of doing the job properly. Um, we, we also have gone to various, you know, even seed merchants, uh, local planning offices to look at um, the submitted documents for the estate. Uh, there's been biographies written about various individuals that uh, both planned and developed the estate. So we've looked at the uh, the collective historical archives for those. Um even on site, obviously, you're looking in every nook and cranny, uh, looking through uh, the the on-site libraries. Um, you know, we just finished a little project where, well, quite a big project where we've we've read every single minute book uh, from beginning till end uh, to make sure that that any information that's relative to the course uh, is is found. So it's quite interesting. You find things out like, you know. Originally, what what colors the flags were, um, and the decisions that were made, and things like that have made it into the minute book. So it's quite exciting. Um, it was quite interesting when they went from uh, basically horses to tractors. You know, the discussion about what to do with the horses or how long they should keep them, and all of that's been recorded. Now, does that really influence what you know what we would suggest? Or it doesn't. But what it does give you is it you start to get a flavor for the the club itself, its history, you know, the fabric of the club, what what makes the club what it is today and where it's come from and, you know, hopefully where it wants to go. But all of those things, it, it just kind of helps you understand um, intimately the, the golf club, the golf course and, and where it's come from and where it is today. And once you get those pieces together, then hopefully that helps you make decisions about where they want to go moving forward. I suppose it probably ticks at least three boxes. So culture, at least initially, identity in terms of how they saw themselves. And actually that probably all feeds into the sense of place uh, in Weybridge. That's a very good way to put it. I mean, 
I think the other thing too is that once you understand where a club has come from, and this is not just with regards to St. George's Hill, but it could be any golf club. Um, once you could substantiate history, uh, it gives it a an authenticity and a sincerity that you cannot purchase or 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 acquire. You know, th those are things that you know they tell a story, uh, they give a narrative, and you know, if a, if a club is willing to embrace those things, um, it, it, it's such an identifying mark and a differentiator uh, from, from any other club. Uh, one of the things we came up with too, um, with in particular with St. George's Hill, was even just a, a list of the honorary members that they, they had at the club. And it was names like Colt, uh, Sir Guy Campbell, um, Joyce Weathered. Um, you know, so kind of the who's who of the golden age of golf course architecture uh, and and top tier players uh, were, were, were there. So it, it's an amazing thing to kind of go back. And, and also what's amazing is that, you know, someone like me, we get quite excited about these types of things. And then when you find them, uh, you can share them with individuals at the club. And when they find them exciting too, uh, that, that's quite, quite satisfying. Uh, because you're almost helping them to to understand the club that they know and they love and they revere uh, it, in a new lens as well, to see it from a new angle. So, yeah, it's it's a very rewarding pursuit. Uh, and again, that's just laying the foundation for us to you know kind of get our heads around what is actually there uh, before we start trying to make suggestions about what we do moving forward. So at this point, it's it's information gathering and we're just doing exhaustive research uh, to try and get to know uh, both the club and the course as intimately as possible. So that's where we're at. So you're, you're finding the truth, if you like. I mean, some people, I was asked recently, actually, if I like poetry, and I said, I do. And the person then said, well, poetry is the truth. And some people don't like the truth. So warts and all, I suppose, it's, 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 it's important to understand and expose the, the true story of of everyone's particular mud heap yeah and and again this is not just particular to to st george's hill i think any restoration project or uh renovation project or or any work you know and again this is not with regards to st george's hill but just a generic statement is you know there, there's been there's been individuals who put a blood sweat and tears into a lot of these projects um and even if the decision was to do something different than what had been done previously, uh, you, you you almost owe it to those individuals to at least do due diligence. Um, and I think what you'll find is that a lot of times, um, you know, w whether that is here in the UK or or abroad, uh, especially America or perhaps Canada, even um, sometimes after you <laughs> after you've done things uh, that can't be undone, then you find out exactly what you had. And unfortunately, history doesn't always, um, well, view those types of decisions in the most favorable light. So I think when it comes to to any work that's done on any golf course, um, whether that is restoration, renovation, or, or complete new build, um, it just shows a bit of respect um, for, for what's come before. Um, and I think that's something that we're very cognizant of as a team especially when you when you know you're dealing with something special really special um you do have to go to that extra extra level 
to make sure that you really know what you're doing and why you're doing it um, before you do anything at all. Well, in conclusion on this particular uh, question, um, obviously our uh, friend Adam Lawrence has uh, now proven there are 422 cold courses. Um, there, That's a pretty unique number if you think that probably there's 25,000 golf clubs around the world or golf courses around the world. And so obviously more than that have been built, but it's a, it's a pretty small subset. Yeah, and... You know, out of that, there's obviously a lot of his, uh, you know, you think about Allison and Morrison. Uh, Mackenzie as well was briefly uh, associated with uh, with the, the firm. You know, when you start to drill down, um, Colt was obviously involved on, on hundreds of courses, as you've mentioned. Um, but the, the courses that he was involved in uh, as new builds, where he designed but also was there overseeing construction is a very limited number and the ones that you get early on in his career uh, when he's come off like you know hitting home runs design wise whether that was um you know sunningdale old redoing it um making the changes that he made to willie park jr's um uh, layout and then going to stoke park and Swinley Forest, and the Eden Course, and then you get to St. George's Hill, um, the the courses that were built during that kind of pre-World One World War One era, uh, including what he did in Pine Valley, uh, and then the rest of his his courses that he, he traveled to in America on that trip, uh, there's a pretty small group of, of courses there that uh, kind of fall into that category. And I think knowing that St. George's Hill is one of those, uh, that makes it even more special for us. Uh, because as you distill it down, you're right from, you know, tens of thousands to 400. There's literally a handful that you can get into that category now. And the exciting thing is that a lot of what Harry Cole originally designed, it's still there. Um, in fact, the vast majority of it. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's absolutely, it, it's a very exciting project to be a part of. We we consider ourselves very, very fortunate to be involved on it. And, uh, you know, every time you pull up to those gates, uh, you kind of pinch yourself because to even have the prospect of, of winding up there to play is a privilege, but to uh, to be able to be working with the club, for the club in this capacity is, uh, yeah, it's 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 every, every dream come true, basically. I can see that. You're beaming. Um, and, and more power to yourself and the guys. Um, all I can say is best of luck and bon chance. Thank you very much. Yeah, we look forward to uh, to the next steps and seeing where it goes. I have a I have a thank you to to extend to your good self. You you've inspired me to be nosy with stuff, and you know you. I think you know the the story I'm about to tell. But um, as if but between obviously talking to you and Adam Lawrence, who's writing the book on. Cult or has written the book on cult. In fact, you're peer reviewing the bloody thing at the moment, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's right. Yeah, so I've got a copy of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't. I, I won't. He hasn't shared shared one with me, so I, I don't feel. I feel left out. I don't. I'm <laughs> So obviously, speaking to yourself, and Adam <laughs> and Stephen Proctor, Roger McStravick, Clates, and indeed everybody else I've I've, I've had on, you kind of. I've too much time in my hands, obviously. But, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of pulled threads here and there and everywhere else. It's interesting. Um, I, I've kind of 
for some reason, uh, the Royal Dublin story has has been in situ for a long time, and people have assumed that different characters were involved, and they were. Don't get me wrong, but there's other characters that perhaps weren't quite as well known. I started pulling things, and I was always believe the belief was always that uh, Colt had been introduced to Royal Dublin by uh, Anthony Brutus Babington, who was uh, uh, a Northern Irish. A man who went to Dublin University or Trinity College, as it now is. And certainly he was involved in introducing uh, Colt to the likes of Beaver Park and Royal Kelly Down and Royal Port Rush. But interestingly, uh, one of the things that Adam found during his uh, his uh, exposition, if you like, on Colt was an obituary that Babington wrote about Colt in 19, was it 49 he passed away? Or maybe 51, 40. Yeah, right around oh, yeah. there, yeah. Maybe even to 50. Anyway, yeah. so so it basically was, but well, I, I didn't know I didn't know Colt from a bar of soap until I was introduced to him by a dude called Cecil Barcroft. So you do a bit more digging. Who's this Barcroft fella? And in fact, he was a barrister from Derry, uh, independently wealthy, which is important for the a little in a, in a little bit of the story. Um uh, and he, actually, he gets a mention in Darwin's The Golf Courses of the British Isles in 1907 as the on-course designer, uh, essentially tinkering away at the bunkers um, uh, it, it, through the, the prism of John Lowe's uh, concerning golf and strategic golf, if you like. So I went sort of digging a bit further, and he was captain of Royal Dublin in 1901, uh, secretary manager between... 1902. I'm doing this from memory, so I may get this slightly wrong, but in terms of dates, I think it was 1902 to 1924, 1925. So the assumption was that he's a staff member, so he's unimportant. But funnily enough, this staff member was responsible for laying out Carlow originally, before Simpson got his hands on it, and laid in Bellystown and then his Courty and various other places. Anyway, and then Mr. Lawrence goes, well, he, he also worked with, uh, with Colton Val in France in 1911. So he's a bloody designer, right? In his own right. Anyway, um, <laughs> as as a, I, I suspect, uh, and no proof of this yet, but obviously, Colt being a, a fairly active member of the Oxford and Cambridge Golf Society, and def definitively and definitely, Barcroft being a member of the Dublin University Golf Club, but subsequently the Dublin University Golf Society, they had their annual match or whatever. So they obviously knew each other, well, potentially knew each other from that. Anyway, at least. Anyway. Um, I was reading the history of uh, the Dublin University Golf Society, and there's a meta which was written by former RNA captain Gavin Caldwell. And uh, I read about a book that had been presented to Barcross' widow after he passed away in recognition of his service to Irish golf. Anyway, managed to track down through births, deaths, marriages, general Googling, if you like. Uh, the living relatives of, of Barcroft and they've presented uh, the book to the golf club, which I actually now have, which I, I will show to you the next time you're over. Um, and it's yeah. basically uh, the who's who of Dublin society, Irish golf society. And there was a cut was contribution of 700 pounds at the time, which was a small fortune um, in recognition sort of after Barcroft passed away, which was given to his wife, and she bought a uh, bought a house in Hoth. So, if you remember playing the eighth hole in Royal Dublin, 
which uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, CDP when they they uh, they have their their press release on their on their website. That's the eighth hole, and Hoth Hill is right above it. So uh, turns out that uh, Arcroft is actually more important than perhaps historically we thought. I guess the difference between an opinion and an assumption and evidence. And that that's the type of uh, it's interesting. Uh, the uh, Cookie Jar just did their podcast with Simon yeah. Haynes. Um, and the pictures, yeah, it, it's so true. Yeah, where you know we, th- there's a difference between uh, just simply researching and, and taking you know t- taking things uh, as you read or or on these assumptions, but then doing your own research and and, and questioning things and, and adding things together and building understanding and trying to look at the big picture and see how they all fit. Uh, that that's when you really start to unlock, you know, and that's the type of research you need to do. But that's exciting. It's things like that uh, where instead of just um, regurgitating what everybody else has 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 put forward, uh, where you really start to make progress is when you start to uncover new new things and you start to build a, a new picture. So that that's to be applauded. That's but you, you know what? At least you get paid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be quite honest, though, there's quite a few years. It was, it was long, longer. But I guess that's the cool thing is that uh, now, uh, now, now we are getting paid a little bit, which is nice. Um, but but passion, um, you know that that that's a, it's a powerful fuel, and and I think really that's. Uh, you know, it, it does pay dividends in the long run, and we have good circumstances that, that allow us to do yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, passion. Passion is underrated. I think um, sometimes it, you, you know it's worth it's worth more given the right opportunities than, than a lot of other things um, that, that people think count for a lot. Yeah. But uh, no, that's uh, that's exciting. Stuff. Anyway, I, and look, I, I'm st- I've still yeah, I've yet to do Babington. He he's next on the list, and. Uh, um, a former guest, Graham Beat, the uh, head greenkeeper in Port Rush, has put me in touch with uh, their archivist. So it is my intention. I don't think uh, he's probably listening, so it may, it may be a surprise. But I'm going to hold off until until a few things happen in the golf club to uh, facilitate that in a, in a more meaningful way. But I believe there's an unpublished biography of Babington from the 60s, so a family member, a, oh, a family wow. member has. So who knows what's in his papers? If they still exist, absolutely, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. Uh, moving, moving, moving on from that. Uh, just, just a few more bits and pieces in the in the news round. Uh, I believe uh, the Cashin course at, at, at Ballybunion is uh, the members had a uh, had a, an e vote last week, so there was a, a a straight runoff between the Graham Webster and Tom Watson proposal and uh, the competing proposal with. Uh, the uh, evergreen Mackenzie and Ebert. Um, I believe if 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 we were betting men, we might favour Mr. Watson, and Mr. Webster, but uh, who knows? Um, I believe that is due out. Uh, the result is and be raised over the coming weeks, so we'll find out more about that. And finally, just in terms of, we will get to some books, but we're doing it front for front loading it. Um, as I said, um, Mr. Shackelford's book actually, uh, just to give him a plug. Uh, was uh, was released yesterday in terms of public release. So golf architecture for uh, normal people. Um, I uh, I'm very much looking forward to receiving my copy. Um, it sounds fascinating. To add to my 
um, pretty significant library of uh, Shaq's uh, past work. Have you had a, an advanced copy of that? You probably have, you fecker. I haven't actually. I was uh, I was actually speaking with him yesterday. Oh, yeah? uh, we were back and forth a little bit. Um, so he was saying that it should be available in the UK around the 17th. Okay. I don't know if that was meant to be off the record. It's but, now on uh, the record, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, as we know, as uh, we know from Mr. Sh- as we, sorry, as we know from Mr. Shipnock, if uh, if it if it if it's not said, it's on the record. That's it. Yeah. So uh, hopefully it doesn't get me in any hot water. But yeah, now uh, now I say that. Yeah, no, I think we'll be okay. So just looking through the uh, the messages back. It's on. It's on back. It's it's on back order anyway. So you can. I mean, it, it comes when it comes. That's it. Um, so yeah, no looking forward to that. And one, one yeah. other thing I'd like to plug, which is uh, uh, Lawrence Donegan is is, uh, is 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 throwing his toys out the pram in terms of the McKellar. Um, number seven is en route to. It's actually it, it's it's been published. It's been posted in, in the US, and he's sending over the copies to the interested parties in the in the, in the UK. I think uh, doesn't Adam Adam Lawrence's crowd do the distribution there? I think uh, Tudor Rose. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, I, I, sure I, I will put a link yeah. in the show notes. There is a, an offer for back catalog, back the back catalog stuff. If, if people are interested, it really is well worth the twenty quid or whatever it is. Um, a periodical, um, you know, it's the day that it's proper writing, old school writing. It isn't scrap cram full of um, this ball, that ball, and this driver that's going to hit it seven hundred yards. So um, I would, I don't endorse things like this. I don't get paid for it, but if it's if something is good, it's well worthwhile mentioning. Have you have you read much of uh, McKellar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've actually got some uh, some beside me here on the nightstand, uh, along with Are you lying in bed. Journal Link's diary. Well, I wouldn't say lying in bed, but yeah, you're swelling. No, you're swelling cocktails <laughs> lying in bed. <laughs> wearing my smoking jacket <laughs> you've got your fedora hat on quite that far yet but uh, it's early <laughs> that's right uh, yeah though it's uh, yeah so I've got a couple here um, but yeah no it's one of the better ones and then even to be to be quite honest I think Jeff Shackleford's uh, newsletter the uh, he's a, he gets a, a free one but then the paid one, yeah uh, that you quite get on Substack mm-hmm. is well worth yeah yeah, really, really good, um, especially for the the upcoming U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, he's done a, a historical kind of hole by hole biography of LACC, yeah. so that's been really good. Yeah. Uh, well worth the uh, the subscription. Just for yeah, that. for sure. He's a good guy. Good guy. In fact, it, it, he's he's just about to get added to the guest list in terms of chasing. So, you know, I've had I've had Rod on, Very I've nice. had plates on. It's about time to have Shaq on. In fact, I I sent him a message. He was. He was. I was trying to get some stuff on Max Bear from some time ago. I must follow that up again. Um. Anyway, uh, back to uh, your Anus Mirabilis. Um. Obviously, we we mm. finally caught up in person uh, last August. So you might you might bring us through a magical mystery tour of your your trip to Ireland in August twenty two with the misses in tow and and you. I think you basically. Uh, set off to Cavan and, and base yourself there, if memory serves, or Monaghan maybe, and and basically drove. You left your wife alone, pretty much in Cavan with her sister, was it? That's uh, it. And you yeah, and so you, it's cir- a, you it's a good base and you cir- circumnavigated the the island from Cavan, which is 
which is the first time I'd heard that uh, particular uh, <laughs> uh, circumnavigation. But usually they go, they go, somebody based themselves on, on the wild Atlantic way. You just did it slightly differently, but you are slightly different, to be fair. Well, yeah. So uh, we've got family over there. So it's my my wife's sister huh. and her husband. Uh, they live in Cavan. So they've moved there recently. He's a, he is Irish, um, but he's he's moved back after a, a spell in England in, in London. Huh. So... They're not gol- golfers, unfortunately. So um, when we go over to visit, uh, just to make sure that I don't impose myself, uh, I do take my leave. And yeah, the good thing about Ireland is that, uh, especially from Cavan, is that there's main motorways that run kind of through it. So w- within an hour or two, you can get to most. Through Cavan? Where, ma- where are those main motorways? I'm not, I'm not I'm aware. I'm aware. Well, I think the one from Dublin goes... <laughs> I mean, stop, that's stop, 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 Well, to be fair, after you get, yeah, two cabins are okay from mm. Dublin, but after yeah. that, it does get a bit sketchy. There's a very, the very technical term is a shit fest after that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, uh, so yeah, we had a, a good little run. We had, uh, I'm going to say some of these wrong because I always mm. do Mulroney. Mulroney, yeah. Mulroney, Mulroney. Mm-hmm. A little nine-hole golf course, uh, kind of municipal, 20, 20 euros. Kenny Mayo, yeah. That's, that's the, uh, the sort of stereotypical livestock on the golf course and uh, barbed wire around the um, the greens, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. In preparation for this, because uh, it was last year, obviously, um, I, I had a couple of notes that I had made and pictures that I put aside. Uh, but if you actually look at Google Maps, you can see where the, uh, the posts are around the greens because they're obviously where... The, the cattle can't get to or the sheep can't get to. So it's, it's a little bit greener around uh, the greens. But yeah, it was almost like, I would describe it as a mini rye. Okay. Um, it, it it kind of plays out from the clubhouse in the same type of way. Um, and then up and over a little a little shoulder of, of dunes. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's a really charming nine hole golf course. Played the way that golf should be played. Uh, short grass everywhere uh, due to the livestock, no doubt. Um, just natural contouring. There's not been a lot of, of shaping, if any. Um, and it is, it's just lie of the land golf. Uh, amazing views, um, especially from the top. You get this amazing view to the south. Yeah, it's, it's just an incredible little golf course. Uh, I would quite happily play that golf course uh, over and over and over again, uh, exposed to the elements, uh, depending on wind, which way the wind was blowing. Um, and it would change every day. So I think uh, that that was a that was really really good. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, uh, but I had heard good things. And to be fair, w- whatever happened during that trip in Ireland for those couple of weeks, whether it was a, a week or ten days, I can't remember what I was there. Honestly, I, I think during that week the the records were broken for like temperature highs because uh-huh. it was balmy. It was sunny. It was dry. Things were baked out. It was absolutely brilliant. I think it was maybe one of the first times that those those fairways were, were browned out. But yeah, there was no no rain before or after we were there. And while we were there, it was in mid-20s, which is quite high is what, from what I hear. Yeah. yeah, it does happen sometimes. Not very often, mind. Yeah, we we, we caught it. Um, so that was good. Uh, Mulroney was, uh, was a, a real highlight. I would recommend stopping mm-hmm. there. Uh, I stopped there in the morning on the way. I left really early. Um, Stopped there, played nine holes quickly. Uh, wanted to go around again, but had to get to Carn. Okay. Uh, and Carn, 
Next up, New York. Yeah, yeah. it was every. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Um, Karn, I think the best way I can say what what I learned about Karn was that it did what Trump Aberdeen claims to mm-hmm. do. Uh, they were there's dunes there that are without scare. Yeah. Like it, it, they're so off the charts that it's hard to really put them in perspective. But it's, 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 really but it's, it's almost like pyramidal steps. If it you is, can, yeah, if you can, I mean, that, like, that those, for those that haven't been there, that probably doesn't make any sense. But they're almost chiselled with the. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a. We spoke to Ali McIntosh in the last podcast, and in fact, this is podcast twenty-five, not podcast twenty-four. I've just realised because he was podcast twenty-four, but uh, we spoke to him at the the at the, the Hackett, and, and obviously his uh, his Kilmore Nine, which has been integrated into the what the Wild Atlantic Dunes Nine. But you're you're right. It's it's. Mm-hmm. They really are some of. I mean, I haven't seen bigger dunes uh, in. Well, uh, arguably, that Maharmagorgan Mountain in in St. Patrick's is probably just about as high, but it, it's 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 kind of a it's got a wider base, so it's not quite as 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 arresting. Yeah, and you play like up and around it. I mean, Karn Karn is just phenomenal. Um, when you first play it, you you can look at some of the bunkers and think that they're a little bit small um, for for the scale of the site. Um, but then you get up to them, and they're, the bunkers themselves are absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were on any other golf course, you just call them a sand scrape because <laughs> they're, they're literally that big. But against those dunes, like I don't know how you would you know build a bunkers as to 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 make it look. You know, like they could be in scale, and but it doesn't need it. the The land itself is is phenomenal, um, and, and in a lot of ways, it's similar. We'll, we'll get to this. It's similar to Kidnappers. It's such an extraordinary site mm-hmm. that the golf course there can't really be compared to anywhere else, simply because uh, there's really no other land like it that's used for golf. So you just have to accept it for what it is. Um, I there are 27 holes there. Uh, obviously the the further east you go or inland you go, uh, the less uh, exciting the land It's a little becomes. quieter, yeah? Yeah. Rel- rel- um, relatively speaking, it's not quiet at all. Re- relatively, yeah. Well, that's the thing. But, I mean, it, once you get down near the, the Atlantic and once you get to that, that uh, coastline, yeah. I mean, those holes coming in and around, and especially the last holes coming in up to the clubhouse yeah. and away from the clubhouse, yeah. I mean, it's it, there's just nothing else like no. it. Um and I think that's the biggest thing. It has to it has to be experienced. I would say it's not, you know, if if I had to play there every week in all weather conditions, there are there are some times where it would just be, it would be difficult to play that golf course, especially in high winds, especially with some of the shots that you're asked to hit. Um, but it would never be boring. Uh, and I think that's you know it's exciting golf, and we we had cracking weather for it. It was so 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 good. Uh, so I don't think what we enjoyed and what we seen uh, was different than probably what you would see the majority of the time. But uh, yeah, the golf gods definitely smiled on us and, and Karn was exquisite. It was a, it was a really good experience. Cool. Well, the, the one, I mean, I was there obviously when Ali was doing some work last November, uh, I was there helping for a day and uh, he, he did say to me, do you want to go out uh, and play? And it was the second day and I'm just there gone. It's a four and a half hour drive back to Dublin. I think I'll, <laughs> I I I I wussied out. It was uh, my my ass was a bit sore from bouncing up and down on the on the on the on the 
the, the dumper truck, to be honest with you, from the, from the day before. Do you know, I think it was one of those, one of the, the only other golf course. So I had my phone with me, obviously, in my golf bag as I was walking through. Um, the only other golf course that I remember, you know, it, it was something like 100 flights of stairs that I walked just through the golf course. You know, that was, but it was like, uh, the only other one that was like it was Macrahanish Dunes, um, where you don't really realize, it's almost imperceptible how much you're going up and down. Yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, absolutely knackered, 27 holes. Uh, and it was simply because, you know, there's just so much elevation uh, change up and down. But yeah, no, exciting nonetheless. So Karn's definitely worth going to, uh, especially to see the wild Atlantic mm. dunes is is one of a kind. And, 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 and the welcome the welcome that Fiona and, uh, and Jerry give you are, is just off the scale. Absolutely, yeah. I had the privilege to meet them both um, after quite a bit of correspondence through COVID and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, they're uh, they are great and they have a passion for it, for 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 everything card, and it really shows. No, for so, sure. Yeah, no, they were great. And you were off to Enniscrown then after that, I, I assume, because you probably didn't uh, go to Rosa Pennant before you, before going to Enniscrown. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Enniscrown. So it reminded me a little bit of Silith, okay. um, which is an English golf course, uh, just in the sense that it, it starts off. Uh, a, li- a little bit quiet and then kind of like jumps into the dunes and there's just some you know some excellent excellent golf uh just what you'd expect uh in irish dunes land and then mid-round you kind of come out of it again for a few holes and then from that 11 to 17 you jump back into it again and it's uh yeah it's inspired golf it's really exciting stuff so yeah and his crown was uh w- was good um i it was the day after Karn, so I was I was still tired because I did twenty seven at Karn, nine at uh, Mulrigny, and then the next day went back to Ennis Cron in, in, into the via, via Cavan. But uh, yeah, Ennis Cron went some... back to Cavan. Yes, <laughs> which is a bit yeah. So well, you've got to yeah check in with the uh, the in laws and just make sure everything's okay before you escape yeah. again. So... People, people should just people should just Google Maps that particular trip. It's uh, what ta- what ta- how, how many hours were you away? I mean, that's 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 a significant amount of driving on top of thirty six holes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. In hindsight, I should have just. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's, uh, you tell the tell the emails you'll be back for dinner, and you're a little bit late. But there we are. Got to do what you have to do. So yeah, Ennis Crone was nice. Uh, I didn't pick up any swag there. Uh, that logo is just one step. It's a little bit busy, isn't it? Uh, it is a bit yeah. busy, yeah, but uh, no, typical. I mean, Ennis Crone, we, we had a really good uh, the wife came with me that yeah. day, and uh, the uh, there's quite a bit of surfing spot, it reminded me a little bit of Le okay. Hinch actually, because just beyond yeah, the golf yeah. course was uh, a bay that the surfers were but, in. But um, funny enough, really, did you see, really did you see the place. island out in the bay? So that's Loch Swilly, if you like, the river that comes out, okay. And there's an island out of the bay okay. called Bartra Island, which at one point in time Nick Faldo owned. He was going to build, yeah, really? and then there was some problem over title and um, uh, somebody, there were, there were court cases and stuff like that and nothing ever got built. But there's a scratch TV, um, uh, Sir Nick, flying in by helicopter and himself and the son. Actually, sorry, beg your pardon. The son, didn't the son the, was Matthew, his name Matthew Faldo was the son, who was one of the assistant captains when uh, when Nick was uh, uh, Ryder Cup captain, along with DJ Spoonie work that one out anyway moving swiftly on um the amount of rubbish that's in my head um you were then uh so so you were so so ennis grown is, is worth a trip yeah 
Yeah, I would say, yeah, especially if you can combine it with Marini Karn. Uh, that's a good little, you know, it's okay, there's a bit of driving there, but you're kind of in that neighborhood as much as you can be. But those are those are three were three courses worth visiting. Uh Marini, I think if you if you go into Karn, it has to be tacked on. It's kind of on your way, depending on which way you're yeah. coming from. Um and then well, yeah, and not not everybody starts in Cavan, especially that that's true. That's true. Uh, if you start from Dublin, I guess you kind of make it out that way. But uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you're taking the delights of Cavan, then uh, then that's a good that's a good little uh, uh, loop to do, if you yeah. will. Yeah, and it's grown. So yeah, I think eleven to seventeen, those uh, those holes there, and the seventeenth little part three was uh, devilish, yeah. is what I would say. Uh, I watched a few groups play through. I just sat on the tee and watched them play. I don't think anyone held the green. Okay. That was uh, it was quite intense. But yeah, nice little hole in. Okay, there. and then uh, then you were a guest of uh, Mr. Casey's up in um, are the Casey's up in Ruspana. Um That's right. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Rastapena is uh, it's a cool place to go. I mean, you you do have to make a little bit of an effort to, to get there, especially if you're traveling from Dublin. I think from Belfast is not too bad. No, I I I the last time I was there, I actually. Wait, get a load of this. So I have to pick my mate up in Belfast because obviously Belfast is on the way to Donegal. Um, anyway, so it's two hours to Hollywood where I picked Johnny up. And then it's probably about an hour and 45 minutes from Belfast or two hours from Belfast. Obviously, you mm-hmm. drive uh, up over the Glenshane Pass and uh, through Derry, stroke London Derry, whatever you're having yourself. Um, as long as you don't get stuck in Derry with the Apprentice Boys March, which we had the last day. I was dropping them back. So Johnny was, Johnny's from that side of the tracks, if you like, not with me. He, so, I'm a, so we're in a Dublin Reg car and he's roaring out the window at the at the marchers. I'm just there, wind your neck in, please. I don't want to get a brick through the window. Anyway, <laughs> nothing happened. But uh, bar, bar a, a 45-minute wait while uh, PS and I were looking after the, the march. But uh, So it's about, it's about two hours from, two hours from, from Belfast, probably 3.50 from, from Dublin. Yeah, so I mean, I think if I was flying there from London uh, or coming over from the UK, Belfast would be the place. To there go. is one. There is one uh, other alternative. Dublin, and then it, the alternative is actually you can fly mm-hmm. from Dublin to Carrickfinn, which is Donegal Airport, and it's about a forty-five minute taxi drive from uh, Carrickfinn to Rossapenna, which obviously it's a small ATR, ATR four, ATR forty-two, or ATR sixty, so it's a it's a turbo prop, and it only takes four or five bags. You get a pre-book. Mm-hmm. But I mean, no matter what it takes to get there, Gotta I mean, go. it, it's worth going. You have to go. Um, St. Patrick's. Mm. It, it's off the charts good. You know, there's been some people that, you know, hey, it's a new golf course, debuted at 55, I believe, in the mm. world on uh, golf.com world ranking, which one that I kind of put most stock in really because of the the contributors towards it and the way they do things. But yeah, 55 in the world and, and it should go up from there. Um, it's it's that good. It is genuinely that good. I think I've, we played it three times and I walked it with um, with John a couple of times yeah. or at least, at least once and then partially a second yeah. time. Uh, and it just got better each and yeah. every time. Uh, and what was cool too is that I played it starting out from one and then starting from 10. Mm-hmm. And I think we did that once mm-hmm. each. So, you know, there was a little bit of golf over a couple of days that we played at St. Patrick's. Um, 
but it, it, there's just highlights after highlights. Um, yeah, it's just a classic, classic old school it, golf course. You know, it, it, it sits well amongst Macrahanish and uh, St. Andrew's Old. Um, you know, it's, 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 a li- it's got a little bit more going on than that as far as topography goes and, and land movement. Um, but it, it feels elegant. It sits on the land well. There, there's nothing forced or contrived. It just feels like it's sort of always been there, and it was, uh, despite the fact that it wasn't. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a phenomenal golf course. It's a, I mean, it's a stereotypical light touch. When actually, you and I have a probably a slightly better understanding, having seen some pictures and spoken to Clyde, and you know, there was there was. I'm not going to say a considerable amount done, but there was not insignificant. I suppose is probably the best description. Absolutely. Um, and, and what they did was phenomenal. I mean, there, there's two greens on, on that course. Well, three. Uh, 11, first six. of all. <laughs> um, yeah, 11, especially the high right side. Um, and I think Tom, Tom, I have listened to something that Tom was discussing that on, and he did say that Clyde built that, and then Tom came and seen it. And he um, said, oh, dear. But there was grass on it but, at I mean, that stage, so uh, there wasn't, that there wasn't much, much of a choice. That's right, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's exci- it, it's just one of those things where you know the, the yeah, you push push the boundaries there, um, but actually, there's no reason why it, it can't work and shouldn't work, and it actually does work and works really well. Uh, so that was that was exciting to see. Um, then the the sixth, you you almost feel like the first time you play it that you're playing it from the wrong angle in. Uh, it almost looks like you're playing like to the back of a push up green. Um, but but the more you play it and the more shots you hit into it, um, it I think for me the the point there was just visual visual deception because um, you don't think you can hit an aerial shot in there. Yeah, but you can. Um, and that's, that's because a, you're, you're almost there's a, obviously, there's a, obviously a big. It's kind yeah. of built up at the front and it's a, a pimple, if you like, and then you can't really see where you're yeah. going. So, it, but it's but it but you can certainly. It fools you into thinking that you've got to try and trickle it on, but actually you're better off past the past past the front, and it actually just it, it actually there's a bit of a slope down, but then it, it actually levels out. Yeah, it's it. I think that's the one thing that you know when you read a lot of the golden age greats, uh, especially Tom Simpson, he'll talk about visual deception and how you're trying to make a player think, and that the, the psychological the psychological test needs to be as you know strong as the the physical test the questions that you're asking i think with that whole that that was one of those light bulb moments where you kind of thought yeah like this is this is good uh not just to a like this is a good hole or this is a green good green complex but like all world quality green complex just from the point of view that it makes you stop and think and really really wonder about how you want to play that shot and then you start looking at it and you can actually play it a load of different ways and still come off as successful. So it's not that it's limiting options. It's actually giving you more options than you think, but it's just creating that. Uh, you just question, even while you're over the ball, after you've made your decision, you're still questioning what, what you should be doing and why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, that that was, <laughs> I've played that whole multiple, yeah, in, in my mind. Uh, and I mean, you just drop balls and play literally played shots around that. As, as like as Pete uh, Dye used to say, once, once he's inside your head, he's winning. 
Well, and it, and it is true. Um, you know, that that is one green that I keep on coming back to again and again and again. Uh, oh, yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, and I think it's just so out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. You don't see anything like that anywhere else. Uh, but that's the genius of design build where they can just be on site. Because if you were to draw that up and hand over your plans to, you know, a subcontractor and just say, well, there's your, your topographical lines. Can you build that, please? Um, <laughs> yeah, you'd be hard pressed. <laughs> But uh, hard pressed to draw it no, properly. It, that, well, yeah, draw it, yeah, let alone build it, and then build it for it to work. So, yeah, that was uh, that's one of those ones where I think six to me is uh, is just a, it's an amazing it, that in itself would be worth driving from Dublin yeah. for just to see that one green. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 17, 17 green short oh, three, kicker, kicker, kicker slope, three form mm, kicker slope. Mm. That's it. So and you know what you see you see that again and again. So I mean we'll get into this, but you know being able to see quite a lot of Renaissance's work, um, uh, new build stuff uh, in various places, and that that was that was one of the things that comes out comes out especially uh, especially with uh, uh, TRI North. Is it actually that you you're, you're aiming away from the green in order to use contours to bring it back into the yeah. green, uh, which is is a pretty cool cool concept when it comes to to golf course construction and design um but yeah there's uh and then and then finishing off with the like the 18th yeah. kind of downhill short par four it's w w uh, wicked just a, actually you know, wicked 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 hole absolutely and then perfect match yeah. hole. um you know if that was coming down and that was deciding factor you know like you could drive it you could go for it you could drive it, it wouldn't be that you know, it's not a massive ask. It, it it's a it's a viable option for most good golfers, um, but you could literally play any shot you wanted off that tee to to set up a second shot. But, in, but I think uh, I, so I think again, it's just a really I, I, I also think course. that's one of those holes that you'll oscillate between being aggressive and making a mess of it and going back to being a pussy and hitting. Absolutely. Four iron off the tee to try and get into a spot, and then you'll make a mess of that, and you go effort next time. <laughs> you know, it just <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's one of those ones where again, like the more you play it, and you're right, each successive time it would actually like the amount of scar tissue that you would build up on that yeah. hole. Um, <laughs> it's just a brilliant, brilliant finishing hole. Uh, and like I say, I played it, uh, I played it in reverse as well, starting on ten, and it's just as good like reversing the nines. Yeah. Um, because the reveal, whether it's like the fourth tee where you kind of come around and then you, you have this massive reveal on four where you play along yeah. the coastline, or you're playing on 13 where you have the dog leg left down the hill, or sort of dog leg that's, right that's down four, the that's hill. That's 14. Your, your, your um, reveal is off the off 14. the 13, 13 grain up the hill uh, onto the 14 tee. Yeah. That's it. So it's like I, either way, you kind of have this, like you have these holes on the interior of the course and you know it's coming you know it's coming and there's like this this build to it but whether you play it you know whichever way it's it's still really good uh, and then even the front nine like the closing holes uh six the green we go on for that for days uh seven's like a little innocuous seven seven's phenomenal the center line bunker yeah it's just like and again it's it's one of those like yeah you have this probably 20 foot like dune that goes right in front of the the green that's all quietly uh, like uh, shortly cut grass uh, with a centerline bunker and quite innocuous, but really difficult to play. Um, it just makes you stop and think. Um, and then eight, a brilliant little hole similar to something you see at Cyprus. 
and then yeah, it's just it it, it just builds and builds and builds. Yeah. Uh, St. Patrick's is worth any effort to get to. And, and um, just just to mention for for international visitors, it, there's a three links ticket which includes so this summer this is the current pricing. Uh, we're talking in the start of June 23, uh, 400 euros for the three. Uh, there's three three links tickets for, uh, for uh, overseas visitors and for golf Ireland members it's 215 so well worth a trip uh, actually a couple of guys from Royal Dublin actually were up there recently and certainly the one I was talking to hello John Wisdom um, really 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 got it which I was delighted but he had obviously done a bit of research and listened to the pod that I did with Frank and Clyde and Ali um, but you obviously t- tacked on old Tom and Sandy Hills as well. What did you? Uh, what, what was the verdict on those? Yeah, so Sandy Hills—that that's the one anomaly for me. I mean, look, it's uh, brawny. It, it's exactly what you'd ex- It's exactly what you would expect from you know a, a course in the 1990s, I guess, um, built on that type of land. It's it's difficult. Um, I mean, I I played it after the old Tom. Um, I really like the old Tom, contrasting nice. But again, I'm a bit of a sucker for old Tom. Felt to me like an old school Scottish links. That that's what it felt like to me. But in Ireland, yeah. so I mean, that was a hell of a day. I think I played St Patrick's in the morning, old Tom in the afternoon, and you almost have the best of Irish links yeah. and then the best of Scottish links all on one yeah. property. Uh, Sandy Hills, because you're on the top of the dunes. I found the greens uh, small. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was windy. It was really windy that afternoon, so it probably didn't help. But it it it, it was a tough test. Um, and as you know now, um, you know I I play a short set, and I'm not really worried about pencil and, and scorecard golf. Um, so yeah, to get it around there. That the one thing was I ended up joining up with a member who was in his 70s or 80s, um, and we ended up just both playing off the forward tees and having a laugh. Um, and that, that was a real highlight. So I actually really enjoyed Sandy Hills, uh, especially because the company was one of the older members that was at the club. Um, but yeah, if I if I had to choose between, two, if I only had a choice between two of the three, all three are worth playing, but I would probably do St. Patrick's first, Old Tom second, and then Sandy Hills, which is different than most of the rankings have yeah. Um So I might be going against the grain. Well, there. I'm with you on that. Um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I love yeah. St. Patrick's. I've, Sorry, I love, uh, I really like Sandy Hills. Um, I've played mm-hmm. it in literally sideways rain and 50k an hour winds in the Scratch Cup two years. And then I've had it in 27 degrees. So it's chalk and cheese uh, in many ways. It's much easier when there's no wind, but it will beat the life out of you. Um, and it's been softened. It, it has been yeah, softened it's, as well in 2013. Bo Welling obviously, obviously opened it up a little bit more. Um, safe to say, uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised if something happens to it. Obviously, given the fact they now have uh, a little bit more real estate up there and have the opportunity, perhaps to close it and do something. I don't know what they might do. I'm not. Uh, I, I I don't know something that I ha- I've told you, but I'm not telling other people. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if that might happen. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal land. Yeah. It really is. But I think what you. <laughs> Uh, again, it's it's not that it's not good golf. It is. Um, it's just different. It's just, I yeah, it's different, and it, it's different than the other two courses. Uh, I think that's the thing, and it, and that's quite exciting for a resort where you can go somewhere. You have fifty four yeah. holes, and you've actually got a few more with the Coast Guard. Yeah. Then. 
Um, but you, you, you've actually got three very, very different golf courses all on one piece of golf. And throw it, and, and, and remember, throw in, throw in the fact that Port Salon is half an hour away, Critch is an hour away. Mm-hmm. Like you have uh, Northwest is probably 45 minutes away. You've got, uh, 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 what's the place where McGinley's folks are from, just up the up the road. Uh, Dunfanaghy is like half an hour away. You ca- you've got, you can throw a blanket over a load of holiday golf or you know really really good golf and it's you can do everything from from Ross Benna. absolutely yeah it's it's a great base uh the hotel they have there is phenomenal um you know it, it's good the, the little bay we went out for a swim that that I mean that's how good the weather was when we were there we were spoiled we literally went out for a swim on the beach on the beach though from our beach is just phenomenal there. yeah and I, I don't know how often that happens. I mean, I can imagine in the northwest of uh, of Ireland, um, you don't get many beach days like that. But uh, yeah, phenomenal. It was uh, it was such a good trip. Yeah, we definitely like to go back. Did you buy a lottery ticket? That's one of those ones where. Yeah, that would be good, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the one thing you forgot to do. It's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's well worth uh, well worth it though, and especially if you can get it for what you said four hundred. For overseas yeah. and two fifteen for yeah, yeah phenomenal. I mean that that's every golfer should jump on yeah. that and go. I guess just one word to the to the wise uh, accommodation in Ireland is pretty pretty uh, sparse this year just with, for for various different reasons. Um, I think there's probably availability up in Donegal. It's the one, it's the one beacon of availability in terms of. Uh, and I may be screwing myself by saying this. You know, get to Donegal if you're coming to Ireland because <laughs> there ain't no tea times anywhere else. Well, there's a few in Road Dublin, but. Um, I'm probably screwing. I'm definitely screwing myself by saying that. <laughs> yeah, no top tips, but it is worth going. Uh, the golf there is phenomenal. So yeah, even if that was the only course you played, we've got St. Patrick's or or Ross Penn and played those three, you'd be happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was quite surprised. Um, St. Patrick's. I think even on some of the UK lists, the UK magazines, they've still got uh, Sandy Hills above Old Tom and even St. Patrick's. Yeah. I think that should be rectified. Yeah, well, I guess it depends what you're looking for. Um, some people yeah, exactly. some people have said to me, it's Humpty Dumpty Golf, and they're entitled to that opinion. I just wouldn't share it. Um, some people have said it's resorty and you can hit it anywhere. I wouldn't agree with that either because it's completely different for me to decide the fairway and there's a right place to be and a wrong place to be. And that changes depending on the wind and, and whatever else. So having played it seven or eight times, it's one of those places that rewards repeated play. And you pick up the nuance of the place the more you play it if you're paying attention. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those courses, I think, and well, and that's for me, that's the, it's the subtlety, um, you know, can you play the course over and over and again? And you, you just fall more and more deeply in love yeah. with it. Uh, St. Patrick's is one of those places where, yeah, you could, uh, you could spend the rest of your life playing golf there and you could be quite happy. Yeah. Quite Before happy. we move on to the next uh, location, uh, a public service mm-hmm. announcement uh, for anybody that might be hungry when they're in Raspana. One absolutely has to book uh, a table at the Old Glen Bar restaurant. You can stay there as well. Um, the, 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 there's a, a good friend of mine that I had up in that general neck of the woods last year. Hello, AT, if you're listening. Um, he is a professional drinker and eater. He works for, uh, so he's the international sales director for the Barossa, sorry, for the the Torbrek Winery in the Barossa, which is, uh, I guess, of a similar bent if you like your viticulture 
to uh, the range that Penfolds do. Um, anyway, he said, having travelled widely around the world and obviously eaten much in Ireland, it's the very, very best food he's ever tasted and learned. So there's a there's an endorsement. So the old Glenbar, it's also got a 1740s pub. I know, I think you you couldn't get a booking, but you got lunch there. That's right. Yeah. So we went. Yeah, and we we had lunch, and it was well worth. Uh, it's a little bit of a too long, 15, 20 minutes drive, yeah. I think, from from Ross Penna proper. But uh, yeah, well worth going to. Um, yeah, it was good. We sat in the back on the picnic tables, and yeah, it was well worth going to. But definitely, next time we're up there. Uh, dinner will be on the menu yeah. for sure. Just, just, just want to circle back on two particular things that took your particular fancy in relation to just the detail around St. Patrick's. Can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 scorecard that you were uh, beaming about and also the entrance, which I believe you had a, a particular remark about too? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's little things like that. So, I think when you go to a golf club, like there's these cues that give away uh, what's in store. And it, it it's little things that tell those, like if you know, you know, kind of scenarios. So I've always found that the best golf clubs, uh, they usually have the smallest signs. Yeah. So the entrance is, is nondescript. It's almost like a gravel path with this little stone wall that just has a small sign that says St. Patrick's Links. Or even St. Patrick's. Uh, I can't remember exactly what I said. Point is, though, that it doesn't scream and shout about what it is, because uh, it doesn't need to. Um, you know, once you've been and once you get inside, uh, you know everything you need to know. It, it doesn't have to to blow you away at the entrance. So, it, it's almost that um, you know, it, it's comfortable in itself. It, it doesn't need to scream and shout, um, and there's just an elegance to it. Um, so yeah, that's that was one of the things. The size of the sign is directly related for me to sort of the quality of the golf club, uh, and that's true whether it's a world top one hundred course or you know a little club like Mulroney. Um, and then the the other thing was, um, you know, they had the um, you know Frank had uh, the what was it the, the player's cigarettes kind of postcard printed, mm-hmm. um, and as soon as soon as you see something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's taking the care and attention to like read. He's obviously got far too much time in his hands. <laughs> it's true, but <laughs> but to me, those are the details that matter. Of course, they are. Yeah. I think for for golf guys like mm-hmm. us, uh, as soon as I've seen that, I'm like, wow, this is going to be special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the little scorecards. It's like it's six inches from from corner to corner. It's got the Steinway marker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's just simple. There's nothing on there that you know it doesn't. Um, the heavy craft paper simple logo it again it, it's all about the golf but it's just those little details that uh you know frank has has got right um in in presenting the the golf club and then all the associated paraphernalia yeah. uh it's just it's right on so many levels. so what you're saying is with all, with all the travel big, he's been doing he's been paying attention indeed yeah, yeah you can tell um it's yeah it's just and I, I I like that it's got its own individuality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unique in its in its own right. But when it comes to doing things properly, they they've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. They've uh, yeah, and and it's one of those things for for people like us that have been able to to see and experience a lot of good golf. Yeah. Um, it's just nice to see that here. And then again, they don't scream and shout no. about it, but it's just done in such. No, a they way let us they let us let us scream and shout instead. 
and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's warranted, <laughs> and, warranted and deserved. And uh, and look, it's not; it won't be for everybody. But go and see it because uh, I, it's probably the best site for golf I've ever seen. Yeah, it's uh, there, there's there's no doubt it's it's special and it it's it's deserving of its spot of where it is. And there's probably a, a little bit of headroom there to go to go higher as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, as it grows in and matures and you know firms up and all that kind yeah. of stuff, so settles yeah. in. But yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be one that you hear more and more. No, for sure, uh, St. Patrick's especially for place. sure. And I guess we, we the next location. And don't don't feel you have to uh, butter this up in any particular way. This is a, an honest uh, appraisal, uh, particularly flat site in the centre of Dublin Bay when I uh, hosted you in Royal Dublin for a great day, in fact. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really really good. Uh, so this was before CDP's yeah. work, so the uh, the bunker, but it was great because I particularly enjoy that because we were able to uh, to see it before and then hopefully in subsequent quit. No, uh, no, you're not allowed back. You're again, not allowed back. The difference. <laughs> yeah, after that afternoon. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice because obviously we had the uh, the company and we had the the clubhouse tour and we had all the explanation of what was planned and why it was yeah. planned and the history of the golf course uh, with Hawtrey's work and then CDP's bunkering plan. Um, and you know what it's like. It's it's not just about the golf. I mean, the golf the golf's important. Um, at the end of the day, that that's why we're there. Uh, but golf brings together people. And you know, I think we we spent a good day, and we could have went you know to the wee hours of the the. Yeah, you'd get back to Kevin. <laughs> but I had to get back to Kevin. Yeah, see the in laws. Yeah. So <laughs> it was one of those ones where, yeah, it was uh, it's such a unique site yeah. too. I don't think I've ever played. You know, you kind of have to go across this causeway or this drawbridge of yeah. sorts, and then you got those two like massive smokestacks, yeah. and then yeah, it's just a it's, it's a really interesting uh, site for golf. Yeah. It's it's in the best. It's um, in yeah, the best. The really, best. Really the best. Obviously, the bunkers are now open. Uh, we did a pod with Frank recently, who was very gracious with his time, explaining what would, the rationale behind. X, Y, and Z. So that's episode twenty-three. If anyone's not heard it, it's well worth. Uh, uh, a listen, um, but it is now kudos to Alan Hammond and his team, um, our our head head our, our course manager, um, in the thirty my thirty four year relationship with Royal Dublin, on and off, um, it's in the best condition I've ever seen it. Uh, the greens are rolling, they're just unbelievable. It, yeah, there's a free sound of excitement every time I get in the green to see just the ball hug the turf. It's as true. And smooth as I've ever seen it, and the po- and the, the poet, the little poet that's in it is actually sealing, and it doesn't make any difference, which is just crazy. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it it was such a it was a it was a really good. I, I think that's the thing. I was I was a bit surprised that Royal Dublin didn't get more press than it. We've no, than we've no does, views, and and look, if we were to create views, to to my mind anyway. Uh, the 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 sense of place is is low. It's a lowland links. It's there for two hundred years. It's not like a, the Port Marnock site, which is a raised links. Really, in terms of time, it's there thousands of years, and it's on an aquifer and it's got basalt underneath it. So, uh, fair play to Daryl Gary. They can get a clegging like you wouldn't believe. But we're different. We're probably more akin to Royal North Devon or or somewhere f- flatter. Um, there isn't a lot of topographical change because the British Army flattened all of it 
uh, uh, mm. during during you know in in, in during World War World War One. So, code didn't have a huge amount of 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 macro contour to work with. There's a there's a bit of micro contour there that's been put there, but um, you know, and then we had a lengthening procedure um, and a, more procedures, and now we're back with the spirit of cult, which is is it's phenomenal. So we must get you back over. Yeah, no, I'd love to. That that'll be one that I yeah really enjoyed the day, um, and to be able to see what uh, what Frank and Co have done, it'd be interesting to see how it all uh, how it all works and how it. It, it, it blends in with what was existing. Yeah. So uh, that was one thing I was curious about was uh, the the bunker plan, yeah. uh, and then how you do that with the existing like green contours and things yeah. like that. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how they've how they've managed. Yeah. Well, life. look, open invite. Um, don't be a stranger. Um, that and, and you know you made me sick. You really did make me sick all the way all the, all through that day telling me telling me about your upcoming trip. Uh, I know you were you were you hadn't you hadn't you hadn't <laughs> been home to Canada in a while, but. Jesus, you made uh, you circumnavigate navigate the globe after you went home to Canada. No, it's true. It's um, so we've uh, you know, we've put on a few miles over the winter. So my sister lives in California, so that's a, a natural spot for good golf. Um, and then we had friends that we had just finished a project with. It, it went back to New Zealand for COVID, yeah. or what ended up being COVID. So we were able to go see them and use that as a base. Yeah. And then I've got, again, my my wife's family. Uh, they've immigrated to Australia, so we've got a place there that we can use as a base. So, yes, yeah, so we've got to see America, New Zealand, and Australia. Uh, and am I right? Did, did, we, we, did you Australia do some of the trip with Joe McDonald? Or, uh, yeah. Yeah so, uh, yeah, so Joe and I uh, and along... Um, yeah, so, so Joe and I met up in Georgia. Uh-huh. Um and so, yeah, had some pages. Yeah, some pages. We, we played a little. Yeah, we uh, yeah we, we we met up there and uh, visited two golf courses, which were really good. One in Atlanta and one a little bit uh, south and yeah. East, Where'd you go then? I believe. Um. So yeah, that was a that was a nice little uh, yeah warm up warm interesting up. Uh, interesting experience. Next, um, so don't so say too much. Keep with, going, uh, Connor. No, so. I would say what what we could. Uh, I spent a lot of time over the winter uh, looking at some of Mackenzie's greatest golf okay. clubs, which okay. is uh, which was good. Yeah. So whether that was in the United States, um, from there, uh, my sister lives just north of LA, um, in Santa Barbara area. So we were able to stay with her, mm. and uh, from there we got to see a couple of Mackenzie courses, notably Cypress Point. Mm. Pasatiempo. Walker um, play. Uh, so Cyprus was was walk mm-hmm. uh, with a with a couple of local agronomists, okay. and then uh, Pasatiempo, um, yeah, walk as well, and then a, a little bit. So, um, so we, I think, the the majority of this trip was to to study and research um, more than just tick off the boxes, sure. um, but it was. Uh, industry invites with uh, course managers and agronomists uh, and basically to see uh, what Mackenzie had built. So I was actually just on the Pasacampo website and they're, I think, working through a green and bunker renovation again oh, yeah. on the front nine. Yeah, Jim, so Jim Urbina is Jim doing that, isn't he? Okay, I'm not so. sure exactly who it was, yeah. um, but it, it, the 
the green sites as we saw them were the original Mackenzie yeah. sites. Uh, at that point, they hadn't been touched. And talking with some of the, the guys that had seen them, um, obviously, with all due respect to Jim, um, you know, there's, there's nothing like an original Mackenzie. Uh, so I wanted to see those before I went. So we got up to see um, Pasitiempo, Cypress Point, uh, and, and those two. It, it's interesting. Um, you know, there's the, the, the differences between Pasitiempo and Cypress. So, for example, like one in 10 at Pasitiempo and 18T at Cypress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mackenzie had basically put like these back tees. So you kind of played off this elevated tee uh, on one in 10 at past tiempo and then everybody knows about the 18th tee on that outcropping uh, on that rock kind of island um you know so that's an interesting one where you know mackenzie wasn't well he, yeah he, he wasn't averse to you know pushing the boat out a little bit and then doing some like you know really interesting exciting things um i think the other thing about cyprus that really stood out to me was the you know, everybody knows about 15, 16, 17. Um, but to be honest, if if anyone walked out there, uh, you could probably find those. Yeah. Because as, as a golfer, you would be able to say, well, it'd be really cool to hit a ball from here to yeah. here. And you could probably do it. So we'll, we'll try that. Um, you know, 16, famously, like Marion Holland's hitting her, you know, her, her drive across the water and being able to find the green and saying, look, it's not a part four, it's a part three. Um, you know, that, that was a stroke of genius. Um, you know, most of us probably would have seen that as a short four. But that being said, too, I think the one thing you don't realize is that when you go up to the left-hand side of sixteen, is is how well it plays as a par four or a two-shot par three, yeah. if you want to call it yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a it's an all-world hole. But but despite all the press that fifteen, sixteen, seventeen get, um, and then the naysayers for eighteen, I think if you look at Mackenzie's original plan for that hole, having that the tee back on that that rock with the bridge um it's actually the inland holes that really set up that we wouldn't have you wouldn't have 15 16 17 if you didn't have the inland holes to make it great so like two is phenomenal three great little short uh part part three and then you kind of get into these kind of uphill um kind of holes that have layers um and mackenzie did that um even at augusta um, you know, Mackenzie, a lot of the longer holes were rooted on the uphill, the up, the uphill uh, parts of the property, so they're, they're not monstrous par fives. Uh, they, they do play that way, and I think you see that a little bit at Cypress Point as well. So that was a nice takeaway to get: is that if you were on a cramped piece of land, um, some of the longer holes, if you root them uphill as opposed to downhill, they actually play a lot longer than you would normally otherwise. Uh, so it's those little kind of pennies dropping where you, you walk through and you can see things because you're not necessarily worried about your own score um but you can spend the day there and just walk the course over and over again or you can walk up to the green and walk back to the tee uh, you're not necessarily worried about you know how you're playing the hole but you're looking at options and you're seeing how things are constructed uh, and why they were constructed that way and trying to get your head wrapped around it uh, those are massive learning curves um where you just have to travel and see the best examples of golf course architecture in order to to understand golf and understand golf course design and golf course building. Um, but yeah, the the takeaways from there, um, and even think what he did at past camp on the back nine with, with the landforms that were there and the forced carries over the Barrancas. Um, that's absolutely amazing. 
So yeah, they weren't they weren't shy in the mid twenties about building bold golf courses. And I think that you know, with all the modern day advances in technology and ball technology, club technology, all that kind of stuff, you know, we <laughs> we've actually gotten quite soft in what we expect of our golf course. Yeah, in, t- in terms of that, I mean, just I probably should have mentioned it in the news round. I'm assuming you saw uh, Adam Scott and Ricky Fowler and all that stuff. Uh, Tosh, sorry, did I say that? Uh, that came that came out of the PGA Tour during the week and the presentation that uh, the RNA and the USGA gave in relation to the ball. They don't really seem to give a crap about uh, anybody other than themselves. It's funny, Clayton says uh, in a two-horse race, always back self, self-interest. I think he's right. Um, it's... It's shocking, in fact, that they are just so selfish that they don't see the wood from the trees and don't actually understand that the, the window they're talking about is after the after after the Pro V1 came in. So the big game was the first four years. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing, is that there, there's such a gulf between uh, the, the game that they play and the game the rest of us play. Um, it, it's so massive. I mean, they, they are in a league of their own. Um, and the way that they see golf is completely different. It's entitlement, though. Know, it's, Surely, it's, it's it's you know it's 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 actually not seeing the wood from the trees. I mean, I was thinking about this, and again, as you know, I have too much time in my hands to think about things like this. <laughs> but I remember listening to a podcast, and I can't recall if it was the thing about golf that Rod and John Huggan do, or, or or it was definitely an Australian podcast anyway, and they had Nick Price on. And he was speaking about, you know, just immediately post the Pro V1 arriving and persimmon turning into metal and whatever else. And they played, I guess the US Open, I think, at Beth Page in 2001. And he he was drawing the analogy between Ernie Els' swing and his swing. And it, maybe it was a little bit earlier than that. Maybe I'm doing I'm getting the getting the date wrong. But Ernie had an immediate advantage with the ball and the tech, whereas Nick didn't. He couldn't actually reach the fairway on the um he was still driving it the same. Whatever way he swung the club, the tech wasn't working as well for him because he didn't have big levers and couldn't launch it. So Nick gets it and he's on the bloody USGA, uh, or certainly was in the USGA uh committee. Yeah, it's uh you know it's a fascinating thing. And I think that's where it, it's for, for them it's it's very one-dimensional. Um you know, and the golf courses that they're playing often reward length. Um, you know, can you hit it straight? Can you hit it? And I think that's the other thing too. It, you know, there's been quite a bit of discussion. I know in in kind of the circle that you know the if you want to call it the echo chamber that I find myself in. Me too. Uh, it's not necessarily length, no. but I think the the other thing that, that that's missing a little bit is is spin. Yeah. Um. So th- this year, actually, I've gone to. Um, I've started playing persimmons again okay. uh, as part of just my regular. Well, event. I saw you're po- you're uh, posting so like good out. I mean, are, do you have any of those wood, <laughs> any of those wood butters are still for sale? Are they? Yeah, so I've got. Or would, you like, or hey, would you like to lend me lend me one or two? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah I've got, uh, I'm just refinishing the six nine threes yeah. now, so those are the McGregors uh, from the fifties. Uh, I've got an M eighty five. You're a fiend. Wood. You're a fiend. You you need to get onto Ross Baker down in Australia. Did you meet him when you were down there? Ah, uh, Ross. He, he's Ross. just opened the he's just opened the shop in. Uh, sure, yeah. I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That would definitely be on the uh, on the. Well, list. you and me both, yeah. Or Sandy Sandy Jemison has a garage full of full of stuff as well, which he's which he's promised promised Jeez. me a route. No, that's sorry, that's the wrong word you, to use, you, Australians. You. He's promised me a rubbish. <laughs> 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 oh dear! At least, at least I, I that, that's staying, that's yeah. staying in. That, that wasn't that was a an, that was an, an inadvertent faux pas, but it actually worked out quite well. Yeah. You've just earned yourself the E for explicit in uh, on the Australia web. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, w- once you once you go uh, w- once you go to persimmons and you, you you get that feeling again of being able to, you know, not that I can, but I, I attempt to like work the ball left and right, high and low, even where you're thinking about teeing the ball. You know, the other day I figured out again, like, oh, I'm going to tee it lower and hit a little fade. Um, and I was like, yeah, I haven't even thought about that because at the moment you just tee it high and try and swing at it as hard as you can. And, you know, everything just goes straight or a little bit right. And you kind of think, well, you know, it's, but again, that, that's the type of golf that, you know, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a PGA Tour player, but it seems like that's the type of golf and that's how they see it. It's, it's with the, the artistry in golf has, has been lost. And look, I was, I was on the tail end of that. I, mean, I started playing golf in the nineties, late eighties, early nineties as a young lad, didn't really get it. Um, but imagine in the seventies and eighties when, you know, all these like, true artists were at their prime like the sevies of the day um doing what they were doing you know the best i can do is try and watch youtube videos and try and get my head wrapped around it um but yeah and the tail end of like balot is moving into professionals and then the pro v ones uh, when i was playing golf properly the, you know it's just the end of the professional and then the beginning of the pro v1 era so even a lot of that had passed me by but going back to it now uh you know playing playing for simmons again that that's the terms proper golf i guess you know it's interesting just to i went out with the persimmons the other night on uh at st george's hill and the sixth hole is kind of like a downhill par four oh, is this your new playground uh, so it's a it, long part this is your new playground for the census to a oh, certain well, it's, it's research but you're, but you're, you're you, you live nowhere near there no i don't yeah i'm about an hour away on a good yeah. run so i'll try and combine a little bit of work with a little bit of pleasure yeah. if you will um, but it's interesting. I hit uh, driver four wood uh-huh. and, you know, two really solid shots. And, and I made it just on the front of the green where if I was playing modern kit, uh, it would have been driver seven iron, yeah. maybe six yeah. iron. So yeah, just a different game. Um, yeah. Exciting stuff though. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, we, we do. Well, we'd say we would. So look, it, it's, it's a function <laughs> of, it's a function of the format today. Um, but it's so much easier because obviously we've we've spoken quite a bit. So it's 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 uh, as I said, I I do have the, the the motivation to record all of our conversations. Unfortunately, this is only the second one, but I, I guarantee that the content of the rest of them is pretty much the same. Listen, you were off to Australia then to put right or wrong that you'd not you, you've been there before, haven't you? So first time to Australia, okay. I'd never been there before. Uh, we had family that moved out there on my wife's side. Um, about eight years yeah. ago and then we were going to get out there in 2019 that was curtailed due to to COVID. Yeah. uh so we're going to go yeah winter 2019 2020 and then that all fell through anyways the point being that uh landed uh got to meet with uh met up with paul Day. Oh, yeah. uh what what a kind man yeah. uh absolutely brilliant enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed the day i uh, went down to the national okay. and played Ganata, okay. which was he's a member there isn't he he is, yeah. Um, and yeah, we. I think they have the Muna, the National, and Gunamata. Yeah. 
I think it's the and they have one they won they won somewhere else. That's right. Yeah, they're working on that, or it's just coming on. It's being redeveloped. That's beside PK, um, isn't it? I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah, but I think it is. It's not on that site. Yeah. I think it's closer to to Melbourne. Frank Park, Frankston. I think but, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that. That was really, really good. Really enjoyed that. It was my first uh, Australian golf experience, yeah. and to do to have that with uh, with Paul. And, I mean, and I'm going to with your was 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 the first course. It's funny because my first experience of, of Melbourne golf was the was the Muna course actually. Okay, so yeah, so both down there at the, it was in Mornington Peninsula, yeah. I think they they call it. So yeah, really good. Um, obviously got the uh, the chat about the snakes and don't go in the grass, yeah. but there's only been one, you know, all the rest of it. But don't worry, there's only been one snake bite in the last twenty years yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. So. I think when you first land there, yeah. you're a little bit cautious, but, but like you realize you know, there's nothing. There's 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 funny stuff everywhere, but there's more funny stuff there. Absolutely. But if you you know, it's yeah. kind of like, it doesn't want to talk to you, so just leave it alone. No, exactly. I don't think we saw anything. Yeah. Anyway, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't do what a pal of mine, Jared Quinn, did in the vintage many many moons ago. Went running after a red belly, a black red belly snake that was slithering across the fairway, <laughs> goading the second thing. So. It's not great. No, no, I definitely wouldn't do that. I don't think I'm scared of snakes growing up in, in Canada. Uh, in Saskatchewan, we had snakes, quite a few of them. Uh, but yeah, no, you wouldn't necessarily go running no. after them. But uh, yeah, so that was good. That was before. They've obviously made changes to... Uh, 17 and 18, yeah. 17 yeah. green, yeah, and then move the first green. Yeah. Uh, so next time we go back, we'll have to see yeah. that. Um, but that, that was an interesting golf course. I mean, they think the thing i took away from there was the the green sites um effectively like the green sites could have been massive um and it's just where you wanted to mow the mow, mow the actual green yeah. site. but the aprons and you know it was you know how short do you want it and when does it actually become putting green yeah. um so that was quite good that there was no noticeable difference between the ex existing contours outside of the green and internally and that was kind of the point that I took away from. But there. again, again, um, obviously, it was a reworking of uh, uh, Thompson and Wolveridge, I think. And from listening to Tom, a lot of work was done to rub out a lot of what they put in to make it look like it was never there in the first place. I see, and I think some of the some of the some of it was kept. Yeah. Um, there was quite an impressive bunker, uh, I believe, on the front nine. It's uh, it's on the right hand side of one of them. I can't remember which one it is, uh, but that was one of the ones that I thought was really, really good. Um, and then ended up texting it, I think, to Clyde and saying, no, this is really, really good. I like what you did there. And he said, oh, I think that was one of the ones we kept from the previous, <laughs> previous fellas. I don't think they really did to it. But, but I guess that's, that's, uh, that's part of the, the skill is, is not necessarily throwing, you know, the baby over the bathwater. If there is good stuff there to be kept, yeah. then you would keep it um, and then see if you can use it. So, uh, but yeah, that was a that was a good introduction to uh, Australian golf. Um, kind of thought if this is how it starts, then that's going to be exciting. And, and, and then and then you got to the main event, as it were, to a certain degree in terms of yeah. in terms of quality and quantity, and and actually, uh, was it RM West next or was it KH next? Yeah, yeah. So then we were at. Uh, so I think it was uh, Victoria. Okay. And I ended up spending two or three days there. Stay, did you stay there? Um, so I never stayed. We we had a place. Uh, I forget the neighborhood it was called now, but it was uh, 
Yeah, it was a pretty funky little neighborhood down right near the beach in Melbourne. So again, had a little commute, but because my wife was with me, she was going to watch the yeah. tennis, and I was going to play golf, and then we meet up in the evening. Um, so that's like St. Kil- yeah, Kilda or Brighton? or That's yeah, what it was, St. Kilda. Yeah, St. Kilda, yeah. Yeah, really, really cool neighborhood. Well worth uh, staying there. Really funky little eateries yeah. and, you know. Yeah, yeah Melbourne's cool. Get everything cool you spot. wanted there. Yeah, it was, it was an excellent... Again, it was like really cool, really really cool London, but with better weather. Yeah. It's it's basically what it yeah. was, and the golf was as good as as and, and prettier, London. prettier looking people. I think so. Yeah, the tans help. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, not tasty yeah. weights again, but yeah. Anyways, the uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was off to Victoria. Uh, Victoria was really really good. Um, I think the one thing they took away from Victoria was the. Everything is rectangular, so if you look at a lot of the the sites where the golf courses are situated in the sand belt, um, the every it must have been laid out in the grid system because you do get a lot of rectangular sites. And the holes at Victoria eroded originally, kind of from the clubhouse down towards the first boundary, and then it kind of goes around the edge of the boundary before going in. Uh, and you would think that you know that would mean that those holes were were not as exciting as the rest. Um, but they weren't. They, it's excellent golf. And you don't think the site moves a whole lot, um, but there's enough there to make it interesting. Uh, and the bunkering, again, just because of the sand type they have, they can make bunkers that have really sharp edges and the way that they present them and mold up the short press. Right it's physics-defying, physics almost. It, it's, yeah. yeah. And again, the only way you can really appreciate it is to, to, to go and see yeah. it. Um, some of the holes there, they I think for me, the, the fourth hole on the front, so the first par three, I think it's four threes on Victoria, uh, par threes, one shot holes, and they're all really, really good. So those were the ones that stood out for me. Yeah. Uh, and then the 15th was a, a short par four, kind of up and over a hog's back. Yeah. Um, so I, I think overall, if I was to say like Australia golf for me, the short par fours, the Australians do the short right, par right fours. Right answer. Um, amazingly well and actually they feel as, um, as I, I have obviously i had the uh, cocking on a while back and i sort of said to him like you know can you ever have too many short fours on a golf course he goes no uh so in fact aussies would feel disappointed if there wasn't at least one or two but just conditioned yeah. to having yeah, it that, because I mean, the, you know it, it's that it's that go on have a go if you think you're hard enough and that typifies yeah, that just typifies exactly. the Aussie uh, attitude, if you like. Yeah, the and I think what I like, I mean, the the first, the, I think it's the fourth of Victoria, the first part three. Uh, there's a little collection area on the front of that green site. Um, it just blows your mind. It's a little like someone's like a really really small punch bowl that will collect anything that is you know slightly short and left. Um, but anything other than that, like you're in these crazy bunkers, um, you just got a wall of sand in front of you. So this, literally, it's you know if you were to pigeonhole it into you know, what you would explain as strategic, penal, or, or heroic, it's somewhere between penal and heroic. Um, but it's it, it's absolutely brilliant. The Victoria was phenomenal. The welcome you get, Canadian flag up there. I'm not emotional, especially about being Canadian, but it was. It was a little bit emotional coming up like 18 yeah. and you see the flag waving Enough, in the distance. For sure. It's, it's, yeah, and I'm not even that type of a guy, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was it was those little details that really set it off. Uh, and they were, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. Um, they treated me really, really well. 
I uh, got to spend uh, a couple of days with some members. Then we come back for Members Day, which was really Brilliant. really nice. Walked through course, I think, a couple of times. Yeah, Victoria was phenomenal. Yeah, they do. They really um, do welcome welcomes really well because I guess because yeah. they they have propensity to travel, and they're used to being welcomed or otherwise elsewhere. So. Yeah, and they just reciprocate yeah. on the way, and that was the tr- that was true whether that was Victoria, or Melbourne, Kingston, Yarra Yarra, New South Wales. Uh, yeah, you, you were, you know, it's probably overused, but in in Australia, like you were, like you were a member for for the day. Um, Kingston Heath again, brilliant company. Um, I would say that was probably the golf course that was the most similar to what you would find in Surrey, Berkshire. Yeah. In and around London, yeah. uh, it is a proper Heathland. Yeah. And I think that for me, especially with what we were doing, it was during that week, I think we found out that we got to work at St. George's okay. Hill. Um, but that that was quite good because it kind of allowed you to see what was possible on Heathland. Yeah. And although it's a really compact site, that you know every square inch is, is, is used and used to the full, especially with that new short course, uh, Kingston Heath is, is phenomenal. Um, I don't know if there's much in it between, say, Kingston Heath, um, New South Wales, and Victoria. Um, I, I think there is a, a gap between, again, I haven't seen Metropolitan. Uh, Yara Yara was really, really good. I mean, that would be an ideal members club. If you could be there as a member, that would be phenomenal. Um, the Slonic uh, Renaissance, uh, or Renaissance, as they say, whatever, the latest appropriate. Uh, you've you've become anglicised, which is nice to see. Uh, <laughs> although your pronunciation of that other place, the other, what, what were you calling it? Sinkport, Sankport, yeah, sure. Yeah, Sinkport, Sinkport, yeah, Sinkport. Anyway, digress. There we go. Um, yeah, you are, you are. I think the, the tenth hole there, and again, it's just a short par four with no bunkers around the greens, but it just shows you what you can do if you're clever about the green site. It's it's almost like an upturned saucer, saucer like a a policeman's helmet type type yeah uh, greens like but that, that was one of the standard holes not just at Yarra Yarra but literally in Australia or even on the whole okay. trip uh, that one you know you get out there and, and I guess that's why I mean Yarra Yarra you would go to to see anyways yeah. um, but th- there's things there that you would yeah you benefit by going to see those types of things and how bold those courses are. Um, and, and how they don't need to be watered down to make them palatable. So yeah. it, a lot of people call it unfair or too difficult, but 10th at Yarr was a standout on the entire trip, even considering you know all the good golf that we had seen. Yeah. But Royal Melbourne West, yeah. uh, I don't think there's another golf course. I haven't seen another golf course like it. Um, you know, whether you compare the old course to it or Muirfield to it or... Um, <laughs> You know, your Augustus, your your Cypress points. Yeah. You know, any of those top tier, top ten golf courses in the world, if you want to call them that. Yeah. Uh, Royal Melbourne is just in a it's elite. I would say that and the old course for me are are the two courses that you know they for whatever it is there. And I've thought about it a lot. Whatever it is that that they do well, yeah. people um, should copy it. Those courses are not of their own. Yeah, it's it's like. He could bottle they that. do say, I mean, Morris, Ram Morissette reckons, and obviously having played all over the place and, you know, bumping as he, as he lived down there and obviously played at Newcastle for a while uh, and would visit 
um, BlackRock and where Ron Melbourne is and speak to members who were gagging to go and play uh, someplace, in, someplace in Georgia. And he goes, oh, what do you want to do that for? This pl- Sorry, Augusta, sorry, Royal Melbourne is the golf course that Augusta wants to be. You know, it's, 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 it's pretty much like there, I, I, unfortunately, when I was there, uh, it was just after the President's Cup that was closed and didn't get to, didn't, oh, didn't no. get to see it. Uh, so, but so, it, but that's the good thing. I, I have that to look forward to and seven mile beach when I go back down. And to be fair, you have, you Absolutely. have quite a few missions I and mean, you didn't get the bunny down. You didn't get to Newcastle. Nope. You didn't play the East at RM. You didn't get to Tasmania either. Nope. No Royal Adelaide. No. And you didn't get to speak to Mike Clayton. Jesus. I, I know. And it's it was such a shame. Um, so Mike and I actually had a round at St. Andrew's Beach uh, lined up. And we'd been talking through the week. And, the, you know, as you'd expect, their summer, uh, our winter, uh, there was a, uh, a bit of a heat wave. And I think it was like 42 the day that we had planned to go out. And he just said, look, if you want to come down and just drink beers. Um, sit in the terrace in the shade. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. That's it, yeah. But to actually go out and golf. Um, and then because of other bits and pieces, it just made sense to to not not make the trek down to the Mornington Peninsula uh, on that well, day. Well, I'm not going to ask, what, I'm not yeah, gonna ask what the other stuff was. But um, <laughs> to, me, to me, I'm sure it was important. And I'm sure she appreciated whatever it was that you did. But that just would Absolutely. that just would never yes. make sense. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was you know afternoon with Mike or uh, or stay in in the city uh, with the better half. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I don't know if I made the right decision, but it, I think it was right on. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really but the, the good news is he's he's due over to Europe in July, and uh, he'll definitely be in your neck of the woods. So you may get a, an opportunity to reprise. He may be in my neck of the woods as well. He's just not quite so sure. If he's not. Jesus, I may have to jump on the plane and come over and have points with you. Absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. love that. Um, so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. But, I, I mean, I think for, to be quite honest, with uh, with all the golf that I've seen and played, uh, Royal Melbourne West, um, it, it has to be to the, the top of the list yeah. of the, not only the best, but also my favourite. Um, there's just something so elegant about it. it it's... I mean, the, the fifth is a, is an amazing part three, similar to 16 at past Temple with that green. Uh, and you can see elements of the sit well there with McKenzie. Yeah. Um, is it, uh, which one is it? The the, the tenth, the short par four yeah. up the hill, uh, bunker on the left. Just amazing. Um, the, the eighth, the, the crazy bunker on the left-hand side, and you have to challenge it in order to get the angle into the green. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the way that the, the four holes across the road are, are rooted uh, in a really awkward piece of land. And I love the fact that he left the, the elements of the Victorian kind of golf course penal architecture just as like, a, I think it's on 15. Yeah. And there's like this kind of strip you have to play over and he kind of says like, we're going to leave it there just as a reminder of like how bad the Victorian was. That's right. Um, the, the old, for, the old furrows. Had the, 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 yeah, uh, <laughs> it's mad. It's mad. But like, I mean, you know, no surprise. I mean, no surprise. I mean, you, you, you hear people, um, as, uh, obviously, uh, wax, I'm not, not, wax lyrical is, is a word that she used quite quite literally a lot on Cookie Jar. I was struggling to find some other explanation, but wax lyrical is going to be. Thanks, Tom. Um, so uh, you do hear them, but we'll go on about Royal Melbourne West. I mean, New South Wales is obviously worth an honorable mention. Um, uh, Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean those holes five, six, and seven down on. I mean the oceanfront holes are are, are absolutely world class. Yeah. Thirteen to seventeen. Um, I think when I was there, um, Tom and Martin were going to be over. I think a month or a month and a half yeah. later, something like that. So we're interested to see what they come up with as far yeah. as you know redevelopment there, or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. We, we hit the big ones, uh, and I think that was the thing. Talking to some of the, the guys that are, are based down that way, when you get, you know, you, you've got to see and play Victoria, Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath, yeah. uh, New South Wales. Those are kind of your, if you're a bucket list picker, yeah. you kind of take them off. Yeah. But now there's like, there's a load of great golf that you want to get back to. It's almost like saying, well, I played Sunningdale, Old and New and Swinley. Yeah. Like, I guess I've gone to London. Yeah. And you're like, no. no, you haven't even scratched yeah, anything yeah. yet. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of what. But, but you know, you know, so but you know, it's you know, it's funny. Out. I I'm at a mate actually that mate I was down with in Adelaide uh, back in 2020, and he he's coming over to the UK in next year, and he wanted to do, and uh, obviously not great at geography of the UK. Sorry, AT again. Anyway, Royal St George's, Sankport, and uh, Princess, and then he goes, mm-hmm. and then we'll drive to Cornwall. You know, they're going, well, I'm doing the driving and we ain't doing that. <laughs> First of all, because we're going to Rye and then we're going north. And he goes, well, mm-hmm. well, why? Can we not do South Wales? No, we're not doing that either. We'll do that some other time, but I'm not driving six hours across the country to go and play somewhere that you have a reciprocal. I've got contacts in most places, so let's just use my contacts. Yeah, and, and to be honest, if you're going that way, so Prince's Sandwich deal, Rye. Rye is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel, love it. The the other one that you could tack on is the short course at North Portland, okay. which is a Simpson Fowler. Okay. Uh, and I don't think there's any holes longer than 100 yards. 18 of them on just a, I think 15, I, I don't 18, I don't know if he'd get it. I mean, he he I, I mentioned I then mentioned Woking, and he goes, "Yeah, played it. It's okay." And you're there, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe clear then of uh, North Portland short course. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. It's Simpson and Fowler we're 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 doing some pretty wacky stuff there. Uh, it's all there in the ground. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been restored. But uh, if you have an afternoon and you want a few beers yeah. and two or three clubs in your hand, that's a good one. Okay, to get to. cool. So obviously, your last uh, neck of the woods was uh, some some modern stuff, actually, pretty much with one ex- one obvious exception. Yeah. So you went out to the land of the great white cloud, or Aitoroa, as they they call it down there. What a wonderful place! I mean, just as a contrast. You know, Australia is so bloody big. You're going to travel so far to see some contrast. You know, you can be on the beach and you can be skiing within probably 45 minutes over there. Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, so New Zealand, um, again, first time over there, uh, reminded me a little bit of the lower mainland, the west coast of Canada, so Vancouver. Okay. It's a similar thing. You've got the, you know, seaside and then you've got the mountains yeah. beside it, but the golf was a lot better than anything you find in Vancouver. Okay. Um, so you've got the... Uh, You've got TRI, which is the two new courses. Yep. So TRI North and South. Yep. The South is open, which is a Coor and Crenshaw yep. design. That was my first Coor and Crenshaw that I have played. Um, and it didn't disappoint. Um, that was really, really good. Um, and, and I think what, what I took away from there was just, yeah, it's just quirky. Yeah. And quirky is okay. Of course uh, You know, some really interesting... You know, and I, I think we get it when we play like kind of backwards golf courses in Scotland and Ireland, and you kind of like, yeah, okay, well, this is out in the middle of nowhere, out in the sticks. Yeah. Quirky's kind of cool, and they probably didn't know any better. Yeah. But then you get to a brand new build by one of the world's best, 
And, and it is quirky, and it is bold, and but, yeah, actually, why but, it, but it endorses it endorses it. This is actually okay, you know, as opposed to oh, they yeah, made a mistake exactly. or they didn't have this done. You're going, this is why they did it, <laughs> but actually, they actually did it on purpose back in the day as yeah, well. And it, yeah, and there's just that spirit of adventure that you can see coming through in the way that they're designing golf courses. If there is a natural landform, this one, yeah. Put the green there, and why wouldn't that work? And like, like, like as you know, I'm going away to uh, to the Netherlands on Sunday, and I'm playing Royal Hague. And obviously, I've listened to the Cookie Jar Lads' uh, uh, podcast. I only did it once because I just I don't want to know too much. And the member in Nordvik that I'm playing with has already said I'm not going to tell you anything. So I'm I'm not I'm until afterwards. Uh, but actually, Royal Hague sounds like it's going to be a wild experience. So I'm really hoping that the GM sorts me out with a member to actually point me, wind me up and point me in the right direction because I could be screwed. Yeah, and that, and that's what, I think that's what I took away from that was that, you know, we expect it with these old courses because <clears throat> you kind of think, yeah, maybe they didn't know any better and it's just the, the quirks of being an old yeah. golf course. But actually, like, yeah, it's... Uh, and again, too, I think the other thing I took away from that one was that there's a bit of visual deception. Yeah. So the natural line that you would pick off the tee wasn't necessarily the plain line that you'd want to pick. Okay. So, um, yeah, but absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, the, the views from the course, it, it's just, it's a, it's a stunning location. New Zealand as a whole, you know, you can't really go anywhere where it's not stunning and achingly beautiful, but then to play golf in some of these locales are... Yeah. Yeah, you just couldn't ask for anything better. Um, and then you have obviously the, the private course that's closed to most. Uh, you do have you do have that one time shot at it if you can cough for. Is it is it twenty four hours basically? You have pretty much, and it's like it's a certain. It, obviously, you got to write a nice letter and 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 whatever else. And uh, yeah, I think there's ways and means to get onto it. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were really good when I when I visited. Um, obviously, they they. they they, they let me see the south, yeah. and then. Well, you uh, kind of know the guys. You kind of know the guys that built it, so you know. You you have a you have a you so have a certain leg up uh, that others may not have. The, so the inside yeah. track, uh, but yeah, that was a really cool experience. The the thing about uh, Tari, that maybe unless you're property golf geek, is that it's pure festival, yeah. and it's not necessarily where you would typically grow that type of a turf. Yeah. Um, but it's it's phenomenal to see. Yeah. Uh, to see a hundred percent pure rescue golf course is is great, yeah. um, and then to be able to do it in those conditions yeah. and exceed at it, not just keep it, you know, surviving, but absolutely just just surviving. shows you what's possible. But I mean, where where where, where 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 to be fair, where money and there's not a lot of people playing it, so therefore there's not a lot of wear. So it, it actually, it's not a normal golf 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 situation in that sort of environment. Just to say, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and it probably isn't the pattern that you would use at a, a municipal no. play, um, where you have 60,000 rounds a year going through, and obviously not. But I, I, what I would say is that they're on the back nine at Tauriti, uh, it's very similar, I found, uh, to St. Patrick's, actually. Okay. Um, you know, from like 13, 14, you kind of do a slow rise up and over the dune, and then there's this big reveal, and it kind of does the same thing. So there was some parallels. Um, and I think that I found that interesting, seeing... Some of these differences, you can see that they've taken the cues uh, from one golf course to another, or perhaps learned lessons on one and worked really, really well. And well, we've got a certain landform there. Why don't we use that again? I, I, I guess I mean I don't know. I've not spoken to uh, to Tom to to know that level of intricacy. Sure. 
Um, but you, you can see some parallels between those two sites and then also how they tackled the routing and how they fit holes into it. Yeah. Um, so that, that was pretty good. And then being able to, I went out and cut pins on the day with the, uh, the course manager. Nice. Uh, so we got to put all the green to cut the pins. And so that was a bit of a, if, if I didn't know any better, you might, I would think you're preparing yourself to project managers in charge of hell. How's, 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 <laughs> how's, how's that going to work out? Yeah. I mean, you know, are you, are you prepared? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess in uh, in a former life, uh, with regards to, to project management or you know change management, whatever you want to yeah. call it, that's uh, you know that's kind of up our. Up it's our just street. it's just a list. It's just um, a series of lists, though, isn't it? Really, and taking it off. Yeah, yeah. Spreadsheets. Exactly. Spreadsheets. Yeah. yeah, it's a sequence, and, so, and, and <laughs> shit, we're behind. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and making sure that we can get things done, and we've allocated enough time and resources, yeah. and all the rest. Of it. It's a balancing act, but it's. Uh, no, it's going to be exciting. Um, but then the the real eye opener for me was uh, TRI North, okay. and again, I'll have to uh, just watch how much I say because I don't think there's been a well, lot. You know what? You know what? Say, 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 say nothing. Say nothing. TRI North is not open yet. When's it open? When's it queue up? Queue up? Queue up? Uh, I think it's open later this okay. year. And um, to do preview plays or anything? Oh, it's going to be a public facility. TRI is public. Yeah, yeah, I think it's public. Yeah, yeah. I think Tari East. Um, not public. It's, it's <laughs> private and exclusive. Um, and I think trending more in that direction where I think TRI North and South will be, yeah, basically just open for whoever wants to to, to pay to play. Yeah. Uh, what I would say about that, though, is that um, they definitely have a contrast between what you would see at TRI with the open sand scrapes and dunes and then like these running grasses. Yeah. Um, and then what you see at TRI North. Um and I think that's a cool thing because the sites themselves are they're, they're a couple of miles apart, if that even. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was the same people, not... the same people that did it. So it just shows you that yeah. actually there isn't a style if you don't want there to be a style or a calling card exactly. or a whatever. And, and that's what I took away from it too is you know, the, the temptation would be hey, we put an absolute binder, it's literally a couple of miles down the yeah. same coast. Like, why don't we just do the same thing yeah. again? Um, but to have not done that is uh, is pretty phenomenal. But yeah, it's um, width. I would say was a big thing. One of the takeaways. I mean, there's some holes out there where if you played across the fairway, it could be a driving range. It's just it's just massively wide. Um, and then some of the green sites are are incredible, bold, really, really bold. Um, so yeah, um, it would be interesting what the reception is like because you'll you'll naturally get that compare between. You have one of the greatest modern day links built at Tarihi, yeah. and then literally next door, you're going to have these two new builds yeah. by two of the greatest contemporary golf course architects of our day, in uh, Tom and and uh, and Bill Coor. Um, so naturally, you're going to have a lot of comparisons and contrasting, but it'll just be interesting to see how that all plays out and what the takeaways are and what the final, like, how, how did it actually come out in the sure. wash? And then that's really interesting to see how. And, and then interesting too. Obviously, I've played kidnappers, so I'm I'm a leg up. Mm -hmm. I, I, no, I, the, none of the three courses you mentioned uh, heretofore in your Kiwi adventure um, were even uh, a smidgen of an idea in somebody's head when I was down there. But kidnappers, I did play. Um, are they still asking you to stop after nine holes for lunch? Um. So. They didn't officially ask me, but I certainly okay. did. Um, I think that's I think that's I think the rigor. So. I think it's a it's an it's a, it's a dead. I mean, the the wonderful thing with kidnappers, first of all, is the driveway. Tell us about the driveway. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, because you, you kind of enter the site like down almost at sea level. Um, and again, it's one of those ones where it's almost like a cattle garden, a yeah. gate, and like it's kind of like. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an operational. It is an operational farm, like. Yeah, it's you know, and you, you as you kind of go through, you're driving for like 15 minutes, and you're thinking like, did I miss 13? If like, memory serves as 13k <laughs> long the driveway. Yeah, it's, you know, and you just kind of when are we going to get to the golf yeah. course? You know, you, you definitely. I think on Google Maps, like where it said the entrance was, you kind of think, well, once I'm there, I'm I'm there. But no, I'm sure they have a few people late for their tea times. Yes. And did you come? Did you did you yeah, did you stay in Napier or, uh, and and make your way down there? Or, yeah. Yes. Okay. So so obviously yes. you got to pass so through Hastings on the way, and that's where the wine, the the Gimlet gravels, and all that sort of stuff. So if you like your red wine, get the hell to Cape Kidnappers because you are gonna hit oh. wine and uh, wine and a, a, a golfing adventure. It was two weeks of probably, yeah. I mean, if you were to judge it simply on like overall quality of golf, wine, food, and lodging, yeah. uh, you'd be hard pressed to beat New Zealand. Um, we were introduced to the degustation, which is like their their version of the tasting menus. Sure. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, a winery there called Craigie Ranch mm. that we we did grow particularly fond of, um, and there's one particular vintage called Sophia. So, so much so it was a problem, was it? Or a, cha- a, cha- yeah, a challenge? Had maybe. a marked influence <laughs> on the couple of things. Withdrawal symptoms afterwards, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it was phenomenal. I mean, and the and the wine and the the food. Uh, and the lodging was as good as the golf. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it total total package on, on all accounts. Um, so yeah, Cape Kidnappers again. It's similar to to Karn. Like you know, people say, "What what are your thoughts on Cape Kidnappers?" And you think, "Well, it, you'll never get another golf course yeah. like it." It's it's that the landforms are so special and so unique that the fact they could even get golf on there was an amazing feat. And then the fact that it is even playable. Um, Angela, I think you just finished redoing some of the greens um and and it was amazing that you know even with those cliff top holes that it was still very very playable um especially on the fingers yeah so yeah kate kidnappers is well worth going to see because there's only one golf course in the world like kate kidnappers and that's the only one because it's really the only golf course built on land like that um but it is world class It's, it's really really good um but yeah, that whole that whole area um, was was worth going to. Yeah. So yeah, to see Tariti, TRI North, TRI South, Cape Kidnappers. Um, you know, we still got lots to go back for. The South Island, we went down for a week. Um, and then that was basically just wineries yeah. uh, in the Otago Valley. You Valley. found you found um, your pin on you kind of found pin on the war heaven. You know, no, mm. Absolutely. That's why. That's why. Did, did yeah, you bump we... into uh, Mike Goldstein? Or... I didn't. Okay. No. Um, but um, we we got to play Aerotown, okay. which was really yeah. good. And what the the fellow that we were with, our friends there, um, you know, they're, they're not big golfers, but he came out and played Aerotown and absolutely enjoyed it. The front the front nine at Aerotown is is phenomenal uh, with the rock outcroppings yeah. and and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's it was it was another little highlight of, of the trip. Um, 
you know, could you ever compare it to the other four that we played in New Zealand? No. Um, but as far as just pure exciting golf, again, it's up the same, you know, it's, it's in the same line as the Ionas in Scotland yeah. and your tries. Um, it's just, it's just great, great golf. And then of course, uh, you know, for, for, for the next, for the next dip, you, you've left Paraparumu Tilarangi. Uh, in fact, yep. there's a re- the, uh, wavery, but there's a really cool course actually besides Wellington Airport that uh, that the airport properly keeps eating. So it, it, over the years, it's got smaller and smaller and smaller. And for the life of me, it, Miramar is the name of the place. But actually, it's quite linksy. I I loved it. it like it, it does, it, it it's 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 a bit tight in places, but it opens out a bit, and there's a couple of short fours, and you know, it's fun golf. Um, so yeah. that's that's definitely well worth that well worth a look as well. Literally, as you, it's 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 as I said, it joins Wellington Airport and it's been eaten for car park space. So, yeah, it's well, we did notice that as soon as we uh, as soon as we flew in, as soon as we landed, yeah. um, that, that there was one there. But no, I would say uh, Australia again, in and around Melbourne, there, there's loads to see there. I mean, there's probably twenty or thirty other courses that you could go and, and enjoy just as much. Yeah. Uh, and then once you get down to Tasmania, uh, New Zealand, same thing. You've got Paraparumu, like you said, um, Titarangi, Waverley, definitely ones you have to go see. Yeah. But again, that I guess that's the beautiful thing about, about not all doing it in one go is that you have to go back to take those off. Yeah. And hopefully, you never know, maybe this winter we'll be able to get to go. Yeah, it, it, yeah absolutely. Well, Mr. Miners, it has been a pleasure as always catching up with you. I have a feeling that you might be back on. If I keep this keep this thing going, you might be back on for a third dip. Uh, you need to come over and see Frank and uh, Hendrik and uh, Dara Golf's work at Royal Dublin. In fact, anybody that's out there that hasn't seen it, please come. Um, not necessarily as my guest, because I'm quite busy actually hosting people at the moment, but if you reach out, you never know what might happen. Um I seem to be doing a bit of that as well, but uh, but happy to uh, happy to do a little bit of it. Uh, I do have a full time job too, so please just go easy on me. Um, until the next time, my friend. Yeah, really good. Thanks for having no me. No problem. It's, uh, you always wonder how long we could go on for. Sure we could go along, long. and it looks like I might actually get to the golf club. Um, a little bit late, mind. I might not get there for the trophy handover, but uh, I, I suspect the boys will be there for a while now. It's unfortunately strokes qualifying tomorrow. Um, so, uh, and, and I, and I want to, I haven't played well this week due to lack of sleep. I am hitting the ball quite well. So, if I have too many points, I definitely won't play well. So, there might be one <laughs> or two and, and, and toast to success. And hopefully, uh, maybe you never know a call up the Walker Cup, but. Uh, and actually, one one last one last uh, one person I didn't mention earlier on was Paul Rice, who I uh, did the podcast on the evolution of golf in Ireland. I actually played with him yesterday at Royal Dublin. He has been uh, he has been one of the inspirations as well to start pulling threads in relation to history. So you never know what I could, what 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 I'll have un, un, uncovered by the time we speak next. No, I look forward to it. No problem, mate. Listen, thanks for your time as always. Hey, thanks. No hassles. That was super. Many thanks for tuning in. As usual, you can find us online at firmandfast.golf or on Twitter at firmandfastgolf. Please continue to like, subscribe and comment 
it really is appreciated. Until the next time, happy golfing. <laughs>